We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. We're going to pick up in Hebrews 2, verse 5, uh, just to recap what this is. It is technically a letter, however, it reads more like a sermon. Uh, in fact, we don't know who it's written by or even exactly who it's written to, though we do know that the general audience are Jewish people who have become followers of Jesus, who are now being challenged and oppressed in their culture and tempted to uh, set Jesus aside and just go back to the old traditional Jewish ways and say, hey, that's enough to follow God too, right? And so that's, that's the general audience. And I think for us, as we are Christians in Phoenix in 2023, there's still a lot for it to be said to us now. Uh, that there's still a lot of temptations to kind of set Jesus aside and go, well, I can, I can still like be an okay Christian and do things this way, Right? And so it's a good challenge for us as well. Um, but we don't know who wrote it. Again, not really so much a letter as it is a sermon that this thing preaches. And so I would encourage you to do what uh, some of our folks did several months ago at Rebecca's house to like read it straight through when you have time. Just read it aloud straight through and let the words wash over you. We're going to be spending about 16 weeks in a 13-chapter sermon. And so that means we're covering a lot of material each week. And so I would also encourage you, in addition to taking a, a day to like just read it all together out loud, it's not going to take a full day, by the way, maybe like 30 minutes, right? Uh, take that time. But then also take some time each week as we're going through chapter by chapter to study it and to break it down and to spend some time and pray in it. So Hebrews chapter two, join me in reading. You don't have to do it out loud. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll read out loud for us in verse five. It says this, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, he being God the Father, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. And putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those 
who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. This is God's word. Father, we ask that you would help us to hear you speak, to listen. God, that our our ears would be opened, our hearts would be opened, our minds would be opened, our eyes would be opened to see Jesus more clearly. May we see your son on display this morning. May we see your heart. And God, may we be transformed by your word to look more and more like your perfect son by the power of your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So I got super sick this last week. Sorry to all the meetings I canceled with you guys and the people I didn't help move. Uh, I was actually told when I was going on like a little six-week sabbatical, like, hey, be prepared. You're going to probably get sick at the beginning of it because, and that's happened to me before, where like when you're running really hard and then you stop, your body like stops fighting things off and then rests and then you get sick, right? So I was ready for that and I didn't. The whole six weeks, I was super healthy, strong, doing well. And then I came back to work and I got sick immediately. So um, didn't do that on purpose. Sorry, guys. But yeah, this last week, it, it hit me hard. I was out, like laid out on the couch the entire week. Don't worry, I have been fever-free for over 48 hours. It's past me now. I'm not contagious. Uh, visit the doctor, all that. It's good. But uh, because of that, even though we decided we were going to take two days of no electronics for the family, I could not do it. I was on the couch all day long, and so I was like, family movie night, and we watched Rocky IV. I've been taking my boys through some old school 80s movies, you know, some of the classics, and so we've been in the Rocky series, and we finally hit Rocky IV. You guys know the one. It's when he battles Ivan Drago, the Russian, right? Which, by the way, like 80s movies, uh, there's kind of this like funny meme of looking back on how the heroes weren't actually the heroes and the bad guys might have actually been the heroes. Like, if you think about it, like Ivan Drago, he gets vilified for just being a really, really good boxer, right? Like, he's just too good at his job. And so then the bully Rocky goes to his home country, beats him up in front of his wife, and then turns his whole nation against him. Like, poor Ivan Drago. But that's not really the point of the movie. The point of the movie uh, is it's depicting these two characters, Ivan Drago and Rocky Balboa. Uh, and it's showing this montage scene, because there's always a montage scene. Like, how are you going to get in shape for the fight? You just you go, you do a montage. And so uh, the montage scene is depicting the difference between the two and how Ivan Drago, uh, the Russians are really like, what they're trying to do is create the perfect human specimen. So they have all this technology, including some stuff they're injecting, and like all the greatest training materials, right, to create this superhuman specimen. And then you got Rocky Balboa, and he's out in the snow, like carrying logs, right? <laughs> and that's how he's training, which is ironic because in real life, both of them were juicing up. Let's be honest. In fact, uh, Dolph Lundgren, who played Ivan Drago, has even said, yeah, back in the 80s, 90s, I didn't know any better. I was on steroids during that time. 
And uh, I regret it now. In fact, it's caused a lot of health issues with me later in life. That's the point, okay? (laughs) You're like, why are we talking about Rocky right now? I was getting to a point. It just took me a little longer to set it up this week, okay? We've gotten there now. Here we are. The point is this. All these things uh, that humans try to do to help make them become better humans, right? Uh, In Rocky, we saw that depicted in two different methods. Uh, But in reality, those actors were doing it to try to make themselves look bigger, faster, stronger, right? For some other people, maybe it's acquiring more knowledge, more intellect, right? Uh, Maybe it's technology advancing, it's going to help us as a human race. Uh, maybe it's, it's wealth, power, status for others. Or maybe for some of us, it's morals. If we just could make better choices, we'll be better humans, right? This is not unique to us here and now. This has been something all throughout human history that humans have striven for, to try to be better humans, how can we be better? Because we're, we're not very good, if we're honest with ourselves. I think that's the thing, is somewhere innately, we all kind of know, like, man, we really suck at this. That's why we're striving to become better at it. And I think what we see in this text this morning, the author of Hebrews is saying, there is a better human who has come. But not only that, not just to show you, hey, hey, this is what it should look like, but to actually help transform us into a better humanity too. And so what the author does is is he calls back to a psalm that centuries before King David wrote. It's Psalm 8. In fact, we can go to Psalm 8 right now. Let's just read the whole thing here. This was referenced uh, in Hebrews, and so we'll just read it from the screen. For the choir director... On the Gittith. Who knows what a Gittith is? Exactly, nobody does. A Psalm of David, that's the king of Israel. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger, not from Marvel. Uh, what, what he's just saying there is simply, you like to use the seemingly weak, small things to show your power over the things that think they are powerful. Because that's how God works. Uh, and then it goes on. This is a part quoted in Hebrews 2. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, What is a human being that you remember him? A son of man, another translation there is a mere mortal, that you look after him. You made him little less than, now pause right there, it says in this translation, little less than God. The actual original Hebrew word is Elohim, which is actually a plural word for God, God's. And so some of your translations might say a little lower than angels. Uh, Just so we're not confused on there, it's actually speaking about spiritual beings altogether. You have made humans a little lower than these spiritual beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Now you see that 
contrast there, right? So you set them a little lower than the spiritual beings, but you've also given a crown of glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen. Now this is calling us back to what? Eden, right? Yeah, the very beginning creation that God set them to rule over all things as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. It's a beautiful psalm. It is calling us back to creation, how God set us up, humans, to have rule, dominion and authority over all of God's creation because we were made not just as part of his creation, but as representatives of the creator. Let us make man in our image, God said. And so it's kind of confusing, right? But let me see if I can draw a little something for us here and help explain it. Is this going to work? Hey, it worked. Cool. Erase all. All right. So when, when God forms the human, the first man, he forms him out of what? Yeah, the dust of the earth. But you can't really form, have you ever tried to form things out of dust, out of powder? It doesn't really work, right? So Genesis 2 actually tells us that it was when a mist of water came up from the ground that God then formed out of the earth, a man. And so water mixed with dirt becomes, yeah, mud is a lot more like clay, right? Now you could, you could do something with that. You could form something with clay. So what we have here is, Water, that's what that says, I promise. And then we have Earth. Anyone uh, want to finish the Captain America theme song? Earth, water, wind. No? Come on. All right, I'm on an 80s kick today, guys. Uh, and then, <laughs> what am I doing today? All right, uh, and so God brings these together, right? But then he also adds something else. He breathes his spirit into mankind. And all these things coming together, he creates the first man. Now, what's fascinating about this for me is like these two things right here, water and earth, are likely how God made all the creatures. All the ones he brought before that first man, Adam, and said, hey, go ahead and name these, but couldn't find a helper suitable for him. We're made from the same stuff. Yet, we were fashioned into the image of God. That means we are living statues of God. We were made to be like him, to be living examples of him. And we had this extra ingredient added that God breathed his own. Now, now I don't know if he did this for the animals, but we are only told, we're zoomed in on the story for humans, that God breathed his own breath into that first man. So what we have here now is this, here's all of creation. Here's God, the creator. And somehow in between that is human. Where yes, we are one with creation and then Venn diagram, because I love those. We are also connected to the holy God. 
Now that should blow our minds, right? That's incredible. Do you know that that's true about you? That you are a creature. You were made by somebody. You can't make yourself. You can't determine your own identity. And yet, you are made in the image. You are made to represent and reflect. You are made to be a living, walking, breathing statue of the God who made all things. Which is why God then, in partnership with humans, says, I now give you dominion, authority, rule, power over all things on this earth. It's yours. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't really feel like I rule that often. Especially like this week, being sick, stuck on the couch, and I could barely like stand up for five minutes without getting dizzy. I'm like, I, I have no control over anything right now. Right? And maybe you have other circumstances in life where you're just like, I got nothing. You know, we're supposed to have dominion over the animals. Have you seen those videos of bears mauling people? Like we're supposed to have uh, dominion over the earth and like yet like our food is kind of eroding over time because we're adding all this crop to it and, and the land doesn't yield what it needs to yield at times and there's famines and there's droughts. Uh, ha- have you ever felt like you have dominion over the ocean? So where is this? authority that God has given us. And this is exactly what the author of Hebrews says too. He says this in verse uh, eight. After he finishes that, that God put everything under our feet. He says, in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. He acknowledges it. He goes, yeah, I know guys. Like it doesn't feel that way, does it? Like God put us to have authority over all things on this earth, but it doesn't look that way, does it? And especially when he's talking to a particular group of people who are being oppressed for what they believe and they are being kicked around by other people who are in power over them. And he's going, yeah, I know. It doesn't feel like you rule, do you? And so for us, when we hear that, we go, there's this like disconnect, right? There's this tension. Okay, that's maybe how it was supposed to be in the beginning, but it does not feel that way right now, does it? But remember, this is Hebrews right here. It's a really good sermon. And so the preacher goes on. He doesn't stop right there. Look, I know it doesn't feel that way. I know it doesn't look that way. I know when you look around at this world, it seems like actually humans are losing control. And when people try to grab that control back, they try to take power. They do it in some very inhumane ways, don't they? It becomes kind of more beast-like. It becomes something other than what humans were supposed to be. That in that dominion and care over all things, it actually included care, not just rule. And yet when humans try to grab for power now, there's very little care involved. So I know it doesn't look like that. You don't see it right now, but you know what we do see, he says in verse nine. But we do see what? Jesus. We do see Jesus. And this is where the script gets flipped now. This is where things start to take a turn. 
Because God created us to be like him and have authority over all things and to do it in a good, just way, in a way that cares for his creation. We rebelled against him and we are now power grabbing and struggling with one another and causing damage to one another and to his creation. And yet we now have seen Jesus. Why does that matter? We heard last week why Jesus is greater than the angels, the other spiritual beings, right? We were just told we've been made a little bit lower than the spiritual beings. We heard last week, Jesus is greater than those spiritual beings. And now what are we hearing? That Jesus comes himself as a human, as one of those made lower than a spiritual being. But he says for a time. Jesus was made lower just for a time. It's temporary. I'll read it to you, verse nine. But we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, but now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste that death for everyone. So you see what happened. Let me go back to my my drawing here. I know they're not very good drawings, but bear with me, guys. It helps me think, okay? Uh, If God put humans over other creatures in creation, but then what happened in the garden? Uh, Who came and slithered in and started whispering lies? Yeah, so here's, here's an interesting thing, right? You get this little serpent coming in, which is a what? A creature. But also in the ancient world, that would have been a symbol for a spiritual being. Is this a, is this a physical creature or is it talking about a spiritual being? Yes. Right? I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there. But <laughs> look, at, look at what happens with both of these narratives. In this narrative, this thing comes and it starts whispering lies to, sorry, that was the wrong, go back, not to creation, to the human saying, hey, don't listen to God. He's holding out on you. There's something better. And when the humans start listening to the serpent, what they do is they actually subvert their authority. They now place themselves underneath the creature, the serpent. Whether it's a spiritual being or a physical creature, yes. They have now given their authority to him by listening to his word and following and obeying it instead of following and obeying the word of the creator. It was creator, human, rest of creation, and now they said, "Ah, we'll put ourselves on bottom. The the temptation, he said, is actually you can have power, you don't need God, but it was a trick because instead what they were doing is they were giving up their rule, their authority, their dominion, their power. And so now they have become lower than this creature and lower than this spiritual being. And what does Jesus do? Jesus enters into the scene and he puts himself right there in the spot of humanity. He becomes a frail, weak, human, an infant child. That's my phone. Who does not rule over anything, 
but instead requires other people to feed him and care for him and clothe him. He becomes then, as he grows up, a homeless, broke man. He says, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man, do you hear that? That was the the language David used in that Psalm 8. Who is the son of man, God, that you would pay any attention to them? And Jesus calls himself that all the time. The son of man has no place to lay his head. He fully identifies with being a weak, frail human. The God who created all things, he subverts his authority. He gives it up and he becomes one with humanity. Why couldn't God, have you ever thought that question? Like why couldn't God save us without Jesus becoming a human born into this world? Like God could do anything because there's a very specific reason. God wasn't just coming to save you from hell. He wasn't just coming to rescue you from your sins and wipe that clean. He was coming to restore you as fully human. He was coming to make humanity what it should have been once again. And so Jesus lives as truly human, one who fully represents God the Father, the creator, and one who doesn't go grab for power and authority on his own by taking what doesn't belong to him, but instead gives himself over. And the ironic plot twist is that that's exactly how Jesus ascends to his throne, to his power and authority as king over all things. Though he made himself lower than angels for a short time and even lowered himself into the grave of death, the one who made all life, putting himself there. Even though he did all that, it was for a short time because he rose again victoriously and then now sits at the right hand of the Father, sitting on the throne in heaven, ruling over all of creation, all things seen and unseen, visible and invisible, in heaven and on earth, Jesus is king over all of it. And you know what? He rules that way eternally in his human, physical body. What does that mean for us? That yes, we don't see things going the way we think they should go right now. And we don't see humans being very humane right now, but we do see Jesus. And as we follow him and fix our eyes on him, we too will pass through being made lowered into the grave for a while. And though we are lower than the spiritual beings for time, we will be raised up with Jesus not just to sit at his feet for eternity, though, yes. But listen, the actual story of the Bible shows us at the end of the story in Revelation 21, 22, that we will be ruling alongside Jesus once again, restoring our full humanity, being in the image of God, taking on this co-rulership with him. Not because we are worthy of it, but because that's what he desires, because that's what he created. And our rebellion and our sin could not decreate what God wants to create. Now you could choose to walk away from it and you will become less than human. Or you could choose to fix your eyes on the God who made himself human to make a way for us to be fully human again. And you'll stumble through it from this point until Jesus returns. But by God's grace, 
by his spirit working in you, you will look more and more daily. This is possible. We don't just wait for Jesus to return and then, then I'll be good. No, no, no. By working in partnership with the God who created you, you can more and more each day look a little bit more human. Look a little bit more like the perfect human Jesus as he works in your heart and in your mind and in your soul. But we have to fix our eyes on him. You don't see what should be around you. That's true. But you do see Jesus. Turn and look to him. He wants to make you fully human. He wants to make you what you were intended to be. The the anxiety you deal with that makes you feel like you do not have dominion in life. The, The fear that you battle. The dissension between people who you're supposed to love and be in relationship with. God wants to work on all those things so that you would experience being truly and fully human in a better and healthier way. And this is why the God who made all things made himself a man. And he became human to do this on our behalf. What a good God, right? That he didn't leave us in the state that we were in of being made lower than, but instead he lowered himself so that he could elevate us to eternal life in true humanity. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go to the table. And when we go to the table, this is what we do. We recognize God who made all things becoming human in a body. We take bread that's been broken, and we remember that Jesus in that body was broken on our behalf. We dip it in the cup, and we remember his blood spilled out. We remember that Jesus made himself lower for a time. And we eat that and we partake in that because we remember what it cost for Jesus to come and pursue us. But then after we eat it, after we swallow it, and as it digests in our body still, we turn and we remember that he rose again in that same body and it has been made whole. And that we too can be made whole in light of him. That's what we do when we go to this table, okay? I I know it's store-bought bread and juice, Uh, but it is revealing something much deeper and more beautiful. And then we're going to sing together. And then as we leave this place, you have an opportunity to not just walk in the same patterns and rhythms that you have been used to doing, but you have an opportunity to look to Jesus and say, help me, help me become a better human. Show me how you would walk in this way. Show me what you would do in this moment. Show me what rhythms to introduce into my life that would help me practice being a better human. And we can actually do that work because he is at work in us through his spirit. Let me pray.